everybody, welcome to a very special episode of the Prague Report. Uh, we're going to be tackling yes. We've of course we have to tackle yes with a brand new record on the way, and uh, we're going to be building an ultimate yes album, uh, and also talking with our special guest, Mr. Billy Sherwood. Hi, how are you? Thank you, for, thank you for joining us, man. And Thanks, uh, also joining me is Jeff Bailey, who you all know and love. Hey, Jeff. Hi. I don't know about love, but. <laughs> and uh, and a new uh, guest here on the show, uh, Yes Expert, uh, has a, a website called Biff Bam Biff Bam Pop, if I'm saying it right, and uh, also works for Sirius XM up in Canada. So welcome, Mr. Andy Burns. No. Thank you. Thanks Andy. for having me. And uh, all right, so uh, what we want to do, of course, we'll get to the Yes uh, album and uh, get to pick Billy's brain on all the you know uh notes about the songs and things and uh but we want to talk about the new album the quest which comes out on october 1st uh, a second single just dropped there to know which is great it's out there on youtube and uh, the ice bridge is also out there if you guys want to check it out great songs the album is fantastic we've had a chance to hear it congratulations really it's yeah. it's a really great piece of work and uh, uh i'm excited for fans to hear it. but um you know uh billy just real quick i mean the last year and a half not being able to tour and, uh, oh. and and getting a chance to work on this album. I mean, talk about the last year and when the process started about, you know, was it a phone call from Steve? Hey, let's get a new record going or how did it had to happen? Well, first COVID shut us down right before we were supposed to do Relayer. Um, and I had all that music in my head that I had rehearsed for a good couple of months and had it all under my fingers. And then we shut down. And so we kind of, regrouped and um, had a little chat and Steve kind of initiated the concept of beginning a record. And so seemed like the right thing to do, you know, even though we weren't um, all present together uh, as a, a band, <clears throat> there's nothing we could do about that with COVID in play. But we initiated the songwriting process and sending ideas back and forth and, and then started developing the record. And it was all up. Uh, Produced by Steve over there in London, uh, and I think it uh, for given the current conditions, it, it came out quite well. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Did you go with any preconception in mind? I mean, what it would be, or how long, or what kind of songs? I mean, no, not so much. It was just about what songs were feeling good and what songs were working together well as far as making an album and uh, making sure the continuity was there. So, you know, Steve was kind of the sieve for uh, all the ideas coming through and really getting onto a production level with whatever material we were committing to. So, um, but, you know, I think it's safe to say we're all pretty prolific songwriters individually. Um, so, there was no shortage of material. We actually had probably too much. So it's just a matter of sorting through it all and, and seeing what's gonna work the best at the time. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Billy, you have a, a writing credit on two of the songs, um, Minus the Man and The Western Edge. Yeah. Um, in terms of, obviously you also have all of these other strands to your careers where you're creating music from start to finish yourself. Um, mm -hmm. what, what did, what did the the kind of what what happened to your idea once it got put into the yes machine can you sort of talk through that process well in terms of um 
the arrangement and and the mapping out of, of what it was uh musically speaking it was it's it's pretty much the same um that said you know steve put some amazing steel guitar on western edge and took it to another level and jeff's keyboards on all the stuff that we did together took it to another level and of course john writing you know great words and, and interesting melodies along the way and then what was one of the most important parts for me personally was making sure the rhythm section was rocking and mm -hmm. and doing its job underneath the song and um, the band actually asked me to record the drums uh here in la with alan so alan and i spent a good 12 days together in the studio just working on drums and, and and batting ideas back and forth and you know i've worked with alan for so long in the studio that we're we have this relationship about drums that's kind of unique and so so the rhythm section was really important um but the the general gist of the melodic content of the song kind of remains what i had sent in and i think that was what we were really going for was to try to have everyone's musical expression you know and then just make it flower with all the other guys' overdubs and, and, yeah. and their participation on each song. So, you know, Steve was sending me things that he had done and then Jeff and John, uh, you know, sending things. And so <clears throat> it worked out quite well, but it, in terms of what, where it began and where it ended up, of course, you know, I don't really produce demos, so to speak, but, you know, I'm kind of used to making records. So whenever I'm writing a song, whether it's got a home or not, I'm thinking about putting that production into place to show what I've got here. So um, to my ears, what, what I presented and what's there is pretty much intact, but enhanced in many ways. Um, one of the things I was really excited about was when Steve called me and said, what do you think about putting Minus the Man, putting some real orchestra on there? And, and you know, I thought, wow, this will take it to another level. So things things like that are what I think a band does as opposed to an individual sitting in the yeah. studio alone, you know and but there's a respect for each other as songwriters so you know there might be slight adjustments but there's no major hacking of things out and replacing things without anyone's knowledge yeah, right that stuff. Yeah. I, th I think i think to my ears it's one of the strengths of the albums is how um different individuals or instruments or elements or, you know get featured i mean the, i i really like you know how it's mixed and how you know there's what there's one song where the keyboards won't be so in your face and then the, you know another song it'll be a different you know color and shade um whereas i suppose the danger is when you're separated that kind of gets missed or people are overplaying you know because they're doing it in isolation whereas i think it comes across as a real kind of um you know sounds like a proper band record it feels like so to me it feels like we were all there in the same room together mm -hmm. and i think a big part of that is the rhythm section design the way that that came about set the framework for the other things to just fall right into place yeah and, and really just the whole house becomes you know a picture and so it's it's quite uh a different experience to do file sharing than it is to stand in a studio with your buddies and, and just you know talk music and make music um yeah. but nevertheless it's it's the age we live in i mean i've been dealing with that 
a long time. I make tons of records and I mm. barely see anybody. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, entirely Everyone common. Everyone says, what was it like working with Steve Stevens? I'm like, ah, he did it at this place. <laughs> I, mean, I know them all and, and there'll be no problem getting together, but it's everyone's so used to like, send me the file. You know what I mean? That this is the world we live in. That said, I'd love to see a Yes record in the future made old school where we all just, you know, like we did that with the ladder, for mm. instance, where we yeah. we moved up to Vancouver, Canada for a few months and all had our own apartments, met at the studio every day and wrote for 30 days and, and then crafted the record in the studio with, with Fairbairn. And there's something to that, too, because that's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, can, well, you can be sitting in the back of the room, just not saying anything. And, and an idea comes out and you, you speak it to the room and it either, you know, it floats or it doesn't. But those those moments are not there when you're doing file share but that said as i said you know earlier it feels like we were all in the same room somehow andy um i was gonna ask billy uh, and jeff mentioned a minus man in, in the western edge and you know you and john have established uh, a solid songwriting team with the stuff that you did for arc of life and, and i was just wondering about these two songs in particular that are on the quest were those songs that you had worked on you know in the arc of life or is it no, net no. New for for yes yeah it's it's it was brand new i mean when when steve sent the emails around let's start sending songs around i thought oh my god i don't have anything to send because <laughs> you know everything that i work on finds its way to a record ultimately <laughs> so it's not like i have a library of like oh let's see there's that there's that so i I literally sat down and just started writing in my studio and, and uh, came up with the musical concepts for, for both of those and then sent them in and, and John just jumped on them immediately and did his thing. So, but they were, they were crafted in the moment during that, during those COVID peak COVID months in the very beginning, right, really, right around there. Yeah. Is it, is there a pressure at all when, when you get that email from Steve <laughs> that, you know, to sort of, <laughs> that you, he needs, it's time to get to work. Do you feel a sense of pressure? Or is it like a sense no, of excitement or maybe a bit of both? It's no, that, and I've never felt pressured from yes. Uh, it's always been a very organic experience. And, and you know, I've known Steve a long time now. Our relationship has gone through a lot of twists and turns. And, and here we are now in this band together for six years, heading into seven. And so I just knew basically what he was saying was, you know, here's the starting gun let's all get going, you know, as opposed to where's the material. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. That I came um, later. That came later. Yeah. <laughs> just, just by, by sheer coincidence, um, in the mail today, I got copies of, um, the prog collective and oh, the, cool. uh, the Emerson and Lake, uh, tribute albums. I actually bought them both in Bandcamp before, but I wanted to get the hard copy of them. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Prog Collective, the recent yeah. album, um, Worlds on Hold. Um, yeah. Some, I mean, that's the third in the series of those albums. And for the, for the, anybody who doesn't know, Billy coordinates an album, albums made with a whole variety of different artists. And, and there's several of the tracks in that that sort of seem to speak to the theme of kind of lockdown and the current uh the current environment would you want to talk mm -hmm. a bit about that 
Well, it was definitely created in the peak of frustration and lockdown and you can't leave your house and, you know, there's no toilet paper anywhere in Los Angeles. (laughs) It's like, what the hell's going on here? So I was very inspired to write about all those things and frustrated and and sort of, you know, I mean, I, I understand as a, as a community, we have to do what we have to do, but it was frustrating as hell. And, you know, you're feeling your freedom's gone because you're just stuck in this one mm-hmm. place. And it, so those emotions kind of came out on that record pretty strongly. And, you know, Worlds on Hold is, it, as I was writing it and, and screaming those lyrics on the, the version that I did before I presented it to Todd, you know, I, I could already hear Todd's, that scream of Todd's that he gets that I love so much, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can hear it on, for instance, uh, on tortured artist effect the song drive you know he's just like yeah. that voice and that's exactly what i was writing it to fit and so when i sent it to him and and he's, he was willing to do it i thought oh perfect this is good so yeah but those emotions are, are all over that record in terms of the you know the frustration of it all i mean i've gone through several phases now of this thing where it's like <laughs> denial at the front end of it like wait what no touring what's yeah. happening here and then frustration which is all expressed on that prog collective and then you know just acceptance of like okay fine how long is this going to take and then getting vaccinated only to find you can still get the damn thing <laughs> now back to frustration and it's like let's just get on with this <laughs> it's madness yeah. so speaking yeah. of, of touring i mean there are some dates scheduled right is it for next year or, or what are, what do you have March, we have the States in March, and then uh, May is, is Europe. So I am hoping and putting all my positive thoughts into a, a world that can handle that by then. And I, th- I think we'll be there by then. You know? I hope so, man. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been really crazy. There's, there's concerts going on all over the place right yeah. now, which is good. That's a good sign. So, um, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I just, you know, I just want to have a mask burning party as soon as, as soon as possible. <laughs> right. well my my uh, my ticket for the dublin show for june 2020 is sitting waiting somewhere over <laughs> here so <laughs> june 2020 that's going to be a very rare ticket stub to have <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just to recap again, uh, the quest, uh, which uh, the cover art behind me, the the brilliant Roger Dean cover, which is uh, which is also yeah. really cool, uh, comes out October first. Check out the singles out right now, um, and uh, you know, I, real quick, just one last word on the album. I'm sure we'll get to it some more, but my, you know, I think the thing is that almost having singles from this particular album, it, it almost doesn't do it justice because I I feel like for me. It really it's an album that rarely like doesn't happen much these days but every song is actually good and so mm. when you're listening to it as a whole you sort of then circle back and go hey that was an hour and it was fantastic and i you know when you pull out just one song i just feel like in some cases and this being one of those i think it kind of takes away in a little bit you, do you, i mean do you agree a little bit well, on that it's sort of like a weird yeah. thing it's like you know walking into you know star wars in the middle of the movie and going wait what what just happened here i think you need it as a whole as you said that that's the way it's meant to be digested you know because it has a lot of different twists and turns and things and like it's not just 
what you've heard from the two singles. So, you know. But we live in this world now where it's these, you know, snippets and 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 these releases as we do. And yeah. I'm just thankful it wasn't a 30 second clip. You know, you actually get to hear the full yeah. song because that's so often the case, you know. So um and it is hard to pick what should those songs be. And you know, at that point I leave that, you know, to the higher powers. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well uh let's go ahead and get started on our ultimate yes album which is not going to be an easy task and uh you know as we do often sometimes we leave out the biggest hits or whatever mm -hmm. so who knows where it'll go all right so let's go ahead and get started with the uh with the ultimate album uh who wants to go first jeff why don't you kick us off and then we'll go uh billy andy and then i'll i'll do the other one and then we'll go back around oh, right okay that's a tough one to go first um is this, is this my, like the ultimate album like your 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 lost island album they call it or whatever that is the castaway i i, I sort of look at it as if, if someone he had never heard of the band before this is oh the album. yes we're talking just yes okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um okay uh, i i i tend yeah i tend to like to illustrate a whole lot of the of the of the moments of the history of a band and make sure that an album like this covers its full breadth but i'm gonna start um, I suppose with probably a must-have uh, if I'm going first and I'm going to choose Awaken and I think probably um, in the catalogue it's it's just one of the absolutely you know monumental tracks um, probably one that um, you know it, it reflects all I think all of the facets of every single band member um, comes through, you know, from the um, the part, and I guess we were talking earlier on about how um, albums were made, and certainly, you know, you very much get a vibe of that track of, you know, a band in the studio working together, experimenting, not necessarily, you know, doing, you know, traditional normal things from, uh, as probably anybody who's watching this knows, the, the notion of um, you know, Rick and John recording in a church down Swiss telephone lines in the India studio with the rest of the guys playing. But the 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 structure of the song, um, you know, it's uplifting. It's kind of goes through so many moods and shifts. And um, you know, a, a great moment seeing it. I saw it live for the first time, I think, on the latter tour, um, which which you would have been part of, Billy. I think it was mm -hmm. played at the shows there. And I suppose that was um, the first time seeing the uh, incredible triple neck guitar and everything that Chris <laughs> is doing in that song from uh, fretless, uh, you know, through to sliding up and down. Oh, wow. and, um it, it it was it was an incredible experience and i think look it's it's a standout track and i think you know um one one that has to be on this album is one of the ultimate yes tracks I mean, it seems to be one that every Yes fan always gravitates to as one of their one of their favorites, if not their favorite, you know, and and an amazing song. Uh, have you guys played it recently on on some tours, Billy? 
we did. I think we did it on the last tour. I want to say because uh, I, I mean I remember playing it uh, and trying to figure out how I was going to deal with the you know my version of what the triple neck was because there was no way I was instead on stage with that triple neck. <laughs> right. I get enough grief already being in this band. That's the last thing. Yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> He's even playing his guitar now. Right. <laughs> It's it's on the Yes Fifty album, so you you guys played oh, it on the fan. Okay. As, as right. the slightly obsessive diehard fan, I will say it's go. on the Yes Fiftieth album, uh, it, and it's a great version of it. So you played it on that tour. There you go. That yeah. answers that. Uh, all right, Billy, you want to go ahead and pick? So we're we're picking uh songs from the entire catalog that you would want to include on an ultimate Yes album. Not uh, you're not picking an album. You're picking the songs to put on it. Well, I mean for me the album which started it all for me and why i got so just immersed in yes was tailstop graphic oceans i'd never heard anything like that and i was in school at the time my parents were playing in arizona i'll never forget at the uh, um at the, the where the london bridge is there what's that lake havasu um and my brother was playing in in with them as well and he came home one day he's like look I, I'm going to be out for a while if you want to use my turntable. Listen to this. <laughs> <And Wow>. so, <laughs> changed my world, you know what I mean? Uh, so on that record, uh, I'd have to pick from my favorite personally, obviously, because of my Chris um, thing. It would be Ritual, which is a great song. Yeah. The sound. That's some, that's some introduction to the band. Like that, you know, that's, well, I, that's I mean, in the that deep end. That's where I, I, I jumped straight in. You yeah. Know I mean? And I mean, there's a lot of people who's, whose first introduction to the band is Owner of a Lonely Heart, and then they get to Relay and go, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> That's right. so, I think it's, easier, it's an easier sell going the other way. Actually. Yeah. Throw them in, and if they, they're happy, then you know the rest is history. say an amazing entry point into the band I think for some people it probably was their exit point of the band i'm not talking yeah. about band members, no, but... <laughs> you know it's strange because I, and i'm i'm surprised by the yes fans often you know reading what <laughs> yeah. I, it's like because i'm one of them you know what i mean i'm a diehard it's, it's like way before i knew these guys you know i i was 12 when i started figuring this stuff out so you know I, i've earned my stripes as a fan and it just shocks me some of the the divisive stuff that kicks in, but um, you know, Owner of a Lonely Heart was some people's first entry point into the band, and God bless them for it. So you know, when the when the older crowd is like, "What? That's not yes." It's like that's not fair. This is where this yeah. guy came in. I get now, you know, because I'm getting older. I get people at the meet and greets who come up and say, "My entry point was the ladder," and yeah. you know, from there I went backwards. It's like, wow, that's that's interesting you know so um it's it's the the entire catalog just has so much to offer but there's different 
areas of songwriting, obviously, as time goes by. But, you know, people don't consider, I don't think a lot of people consider why music was conceived, the way it was conceived, when it was conceived. So, and what I'm getting at by this is that's back when you had a record company like Atlantic Records throwing down big money for a band to go experiment in a studio and write four songs for a double album. <laughs> right. That yeah, doesn't yeah. happen anymore. You know what no. I mean? Now it's like, play me your best 20 seconds and yeah. let's see if we can make a career. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, those records were conceived in those timelines because of the environment. And I think you have to accept that as that and, and just mm -hmm. go with it, you know? And I mean, Yes, it's one of those bands that's gone through many, many versions. But yeah. as I said, I came in on Tales. That's what got me. And I I just accepted everything from that point forward. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. drama, Fly From Here, all of it. You know, the different lineups, the different characters and cast members. You know, it's, it's just part of the experience. It's, it isn't a bit like watching the Star Wars saga. There's just the characters just keep coming in. There's more of them yeah. they tie in, they leave, they come back. It's, it's just an amazing story and it plays out musically. If you open your mind to think of it, it, it really tells you the story from beginning to end, you know? Yeah. I mean, so the, the couldn't, have, couldn't be, have explained it better myself. I mean, that's perfect. I think it's interesting to listen to the first two records because they're very, very different than anything else, really, mm -hmm. you know? And in a lot of ways, they're, yeah, they're really proggy, but in a lot of ways, they're pretty commercial too. It's, yeah, you know, Time and a Word's a pretty straight ahead song. And, you know, there's some other songs on there that are pretty straight ahead. But so you just, I think you just have to accept the band at its moments in time as it came along. But for me, that moment, and, you know, that's always the don't burst my bubble moment. I think that's why th there is that little thing on social media. Oh, no, it's not this. I don't want to know about it. Please don't pop my bubble. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You were on acid when you saw Close to the Edge live. <laughs> it's not getting any better than that. <laughs> but for me, that entry point was Tales, and, and it really changed my whole musical perspective of like, wow. Awesome. That's what great. Is that? you know? uh, Andy, you want to go? Yeah, I, I got to say that, you know, out of everything I've had to do this year, choosing a couple Yes songs to put on the <laughs> Ultimate Yes album is by far the hardest thing i've had to do um <laughs> i am I, i'm an unabashed yes is my favorite band of all time so you know and, and you know and i came in sort of i came in when i was 14 years old so 1991 when union came out and at that time you know there wasn't you know there wasn't the 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 web to go on and learn about bands so the way that i learned about yes and it wasn't really the best way was you know i had a rolling stone magazine album guide and, you know, it gave credit to the, the important, you know, the, the obvious albums, the Yes album and Fragile and Close to the Edge and, and 90125, but everything else, you know, drama, which I think is, we all regard now as a classic was, oh, there's no John, there's no Aikman, this is not great. The first two albums were, were dismissed in this, in this album guide. So I didn't, as as much as I loved what I was listening to, I didn't really get into a lot of the stuff, including Tales, until probably when I was in my, you know, late teens, early 20s, and, and Keys to Ascension came out, and um, the Revealing Science of God was on there, and suddenly I'm like, oh, wow, this is, this is a really good song. What are these books talking about? And part mm -hmm. of my, like, you know, part of my journey as a fan, which, you know, for me is wonderful and never-ending, 
is, you know, constantly like inundating myself with this music. And so when I tried to make my list, the one thing that I thought about was um, I wanted to pick some music that isn't, you know, that isn't the most obvious. And, and you know, Billy, what you were saying about those first two albums was a wonderful segue because um, my first song would be the opening track to the first album, uh, Beyond and Before. And, you know, one of the main reasons is because, you know, I played bass guitar because of Chris Squire. I, I played it poorly, but I played bass because of Chris. My first bass was an imitation Rickenbacker that I bought for $90 from a music school. And I, you know, I didn't really listen to that first Yes album though, until I was probably, you know, Rhino put out those reissues in the early 2000s, but I don't really think that I got there until even a couple of years after that. And now Ooh. it's a top five Yes album for me. And, Ooh. you know, Beyond and Before it kicks off with Chris's bass and it is, it is not subtle. It is in your face and it is, it is so, you know, it just, it, it, it moves me every time that I hear it. But at the same time, and, and I think, you know, you know, Billy also referred to the cast of characters in Yes. And, you know, because you have, you've had these groundbreaking albums with, you know, the Yes album and Fragile, Close to the Edge and going into Tales, you know, sometimes people, I think a lot of people, certainly, you know, sort of a casual fan or even someone who only knows maybe Roundabout or Owner, they don't know about Peter Banks. And the, the guitar work that Peter Banks does on those first two albums, um, those are very clear building blocks, I think, to what Steve would achieve once he came into the band. And it's, you know, there's, there's certainly a stretch between the music of the 70s and what Trevor did, you know, in the 80s with, with Big Generator and with 90125. But, you know, on a song like uh, Beyond and Before, you can, you just, that's yes. And it may not have been the yes that, you know, popped up in 1971 or, you know, that changed the world because as far as I'm concerned, you know, those three core albums did change the music world for sure. But there was a lot of great stuff happening on that, those early albums as well that I think, um, you know, hopefully more people are discovering it now rather than like when I was 14 and had a book that said, no, you don't need to listen to these now. Right. Now, whether it's, you know, you find it on streaming or what have you, um, that music is great. So, you know, for me, you know, you know, started the, it started the very beginning and that album yeah. is top five debut for me from <clears throat> any band. Um, and then that, that first song, like I said, you got Chris kicking it in with a bass and, you know, um, I talked to Tony K not long ago because he's got a solo album coming out. And the first thing I said to Tony was, um, I try to play it cool when I get to talk to yes musicians uh, because I'm a fan but I said, I can't play it cool with you because you are my favorite Yes keyboard player. And, and, and he said to me, I don't get that often. Normally it's the guy with the cape. But, but, but on those early Yes albums, you know, Tony is such a fundamental piece as well. And you hear it on that opening track. That oh, first yeah. taste of Yes is just, um, I think it's fantastic. And, and, and so that's that's how I would, you know, that's well, my first entry. I, I is, you know what? I knew you were the right guy for this podcast, man. It's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no brainer. It's well, like it's a ramble and I apologize. <laughs>
Is that song, is that the one that begins with dong, ding, da, do, do, de, dong, ding, ding? Or am oh, I thinking that's, that's No, survival. that's, that's oh, survival. That's, yeah, my bad. No, Beyond and Before is do, 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 do. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not, I'm not quite capturing its essence. Fantastic. This is awesome. <laughs> well, it's, you know, going back to, I had the thought, going back to, you know, how people, where their entry point is, you know, we were talking about Oculus, right? And so I play this game in Oculus, um, population one, and I'm standing in the lobby with this guy and he looks up at my name and in my gaming name, I chose, I, I made a game name called Circa Yes, right? And so he looks up at my name and he goes, yes, God, I love that band. I said, yeah, we don't know each other, right? It's just, he has, yeah. no, he has no clue. And I said, oh yeah, it's a pretty cool band, isn't it? He goes, yeah, I'll tell you. I said, how do you know the band? He said, well, when I was a kid, I'm a video gamer freak. And we had this game called Homeworld. Wow. And the song that kicked in, I just, it changed my world, man. I've been a Yes fan ever since. I said, do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Brilliant. We've remained friends ever since, but this is it, it, that entry point. So, I mean, how odd is that, right? His entry point into the band. Ours is with vinyl and you open the records and there's still pot seeds in the crest. And, you know, <laughs> this guy was like, it was Homeworld, the video game. So there's just an interesting That's thought amazing. of where people get yeah. in. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go with my, my first pick then. Uh, and I can't believe we got, we're three picks in and no one's talked about what's often considered the greatest prog album of all time, uh, <laughs> close to the edge. So right. I think I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into that one and, and uh, pick the title track from that uh, uh, close to the edge, which is yeah, by every estimation, one of the all time classics. It's indisputable. Uh, everybody is a, a humongous fan of that record and that song. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those songs that every time, uh, at least for me, when I put it on or if it happens to come up and shuffle, you know, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, you get a few minutes in and you're just, my immediate thought is like, how did anyone write this? That, that's my always mm. thought is in what world did this make sense when they were composing it? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's just madness and yeah. uh, just works brilliantly. Every, everybody's contributions from John's, you know, vocals and the harmonies and, and Steve's just ridiculous guitar playing throughout it. It's just a fantastic song and kicks off in a, an incredible album. And uh, you couldn't do uh, an ultimate yes uh, uh, list like this without that song on it. I don't think. I think too that it, it's you know the production and Eddie offered and what he brought to the table yep. was a huge part of that whole process and all those records we were talking about in that early you know tales uh, all that stuff Eddie's contribution and and you know who knows how he was being poked and prodded you know as a mixer you're mm -hmm. constantly looking over your shoulder and going are you sure you're telling me you need space <laughs> you know what I mean? so but but 
you just don't know how he was being poked and prodded by the guys, but whatever happened, it worked out quite well. And it's a magical sound and, and, you know, the reverbs that are going on and the, just don't, the sound of that record is, is part of what makes it such an interesting thing to listen to. It's just got a yeah. great sound. Yeah. You know? there, there are, uh, you can cut, you can cut this if I'm not allowed to mention this, but, uh, but on YouTube, there are people who have somehow managed to kind of isolate um, some of the different tracks from yeah. the album and you can find you know uh, you know the guitar track or the the drum and bass track and, and listen for hardcore fan listening to that in isolation like it's just it's yeah. the playing is just a masterpiece and particularly given that you know I, I think when the band were recording that they were you know they were touring and they were kind of you know all the stuff got broken down and they went and played a gig somewhere and then they came back and set up again for another few days and you know piecing it together with fairly primitive technology just must have been incredible well, you know? i heard too you know from chris and and from eddie actually when i worked with him because i worked with him on the um the song the more we live that ended up on the yes yeah. years box set. that was kind of my first uh song writing thing with the guys um there was a lot of editing mm -hmm. just a lot of <laughs> you know at one point chris told me he said i came in and I look at Eddie, there's pieces of what we just done all fucking day all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> so some of these things came about by inadvertently, oops, I put the wrong piece in front of the wrong piece. Right. <laughs> Which, you know, it, I do that myself in the digital world because, you know, it's all these cubes and it's like Legos, you know, musical Legos. <laughs> and so as I'm trying to drag and drop something, maybe I'm repeating a chorus or something, I'm dragging this group of vocals over and I thought I've landed it in the right place and it's it's maybe a, a beat ahead it, it creates a whole different dynamic there's a song on the first circuit record called information overload yeah and, uh, Alan went in and played and you know this isn't me moving things physically but it's the same kind of concept when I started the click off for him to go I didn't realize I had had queued it up to miss beat one so it started on beat two huh. so he thought two was one, right? So he started playing backwards against what I'd had. And I was standing in the control room going, what the hell's going on? And I was about <laughs> to stop him. And then all of a sudden, I just listened to it. And I was like, holy cow, I never would have thought of this this way. This is cool. Don't bother him. Let him just get this take. So he came down. He's like, what do you think? I said, well, you're a quarter note off the whole way. But <laughs> actually... <laughs> happy, happy accidents. <laughs> So it's a lot of that too and plus the edge i know firsthand from chris you know because I, I spoke about all these albums with chris in great detail and uh, there was a lot of editing on on close to the edge and tales he told me just tons of editing you, played you, that can, I, you can hear it on tales more than close to the edge i think where there's these sections and then they switch you know and, mm. and you can tell that's a new take of something and you know but that's the creative mind of the producer in that case mm. you know eddie <clears throat> just doing really trippy things for god knows what reasons but they came out great artistically and that's what it's all about well so what was it like yeah. what was it like for you to play I, I mean i i saw you play it i think you guys played it on ladder tour and when you were playing guitar and then you played it on yes 50 with as a bassist what what's it like sort of going from those instruments and, and really you know going from someone who like us was a fan and then suddenly you're playing like this classic of prog rock like is it strange well, I mean, transition for you 
playing any of the music is is always like I've just you know I've always got those thoughts running through my head about what I'm playing and it's always just oh my god um that said you know when I the, when I play close to the edge on guitar as you say I I went back to the record because the guys were like well what are you going to do on close to the edge I'm like <laughs> let me listen to it you know and I found all of these overdubs that had never been played ever by Steve that he did Wow. You know, mm -hmm. records, so there's multiple layers of things, um, you know, starting with the harmony of, you know okay. what I mean? So I just kind of found my way in cleverly that it made sense and, and no one was holding up any stop signs and, and saying, <laughs> no. because they were all parts that were on the record. So, you know, yeah. it made That's sense. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, switching over to bass it's a whole other thing because I'm, you know, I'm playing what Chris played and filling his role doing that. So it came with so many emotions and anytime we play something I haven't played on bass yet, which by now I played a lot of it. <laughs> um, there's always moments that just make me have to put my head down and get my composure together because it's right. just, it's too much, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, this is this is the stuff I used to sit around and listen to and go, how the hell did this guy do that? That's just listen yeah. to that. And now I'm replicating it on stage and he's not there and the audience and you turn around and you got Steve Howe and Alan White. It's just, it's a trip, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. I love playing stuff that we haven't, which is why I've been enjoying this album series thing because, you know, now I've played Three Sides of Tales, you know, Gates of Delirium, Close to the Edge, Fragile, Drama, all these, it's, it's like my favorites, right? Yeah. yeah. And they all come with a weird punch and it, it, it hits me in the weirdest moments. You know what I mean? The first time I played Owner, we were playing that on the first uh, tour that I did when I first joined in as the bass again. And uh, just that simple little boom, boom. Yeah. I, I wasn't thinking about anything and I got up to play that line and I, I pulled that first note and I was like, I just lost it. Wow. I was like, wow. You know, so there's, there's always moments like that. Another moment that I really was like an emotional moment is the end of, um, the end of dawn of light lying between the silence and some sort revealing of science. The, revealing. Yeah, the end. There's just certain moments that just get me, you know? And so that's a different, I wasn't thinking of any of that when I was playing guitar. I was still blown away that it's like, holy cow, look what we're doing here. But <laughs> the whole job I took on once Chris asked me to do this is it came with a whole range of emotions, which, you know, that's, it comes with the territory. I, you know, I love, love what he did and I hate the fact that he's not here with us, you know? So uh okay so let's just uh speed uh speed up a little here all right <laughs> jeff uh uh your your second pick okay um for very briefly billy was talking about his nts i'd heard various bits and pieces of the music and at that time my main way of getting uh albums and stuff was was our public library let you borrow them so i went down and grabbed the three yes albums that they had and they were um uh the yes album drama and 90125 uh, and again back in back in the days before the internet you know you didn't know a lot about a band but you start looking at the sleeve and you go right so these guys play on the first 
the album and then oh look there there are lots of different people on the next one and then oh the different it's a different singer and then that singer becomes the producer and then the keyboard player <laughs> from the s album he's then the keyboard player on the more recent album and, you know for me that that was my intro figuring that out and going all right okay this is a band that just chops and change and switches around and you know for me it's always been you know lineup changes have 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 been totally easy to accept um but but i think again what was the first track that i properly listened to it was the first track um on the s album yours is no disgrace and um you know clearly steve's uh entrance into the band and just a phenomenal showcase for him as a guitar player um, a phenomenal showcase for for the band vocally and I think probably something that came over from the first two albums into um, the S album but possibly possibly tailed off over the years was actually the three-part harmony between um, Chris and Steve and John and you know that's something that was um, you know that, that that was that was really strong um, in that album and and in that track and again the the differing sections um you know the the sort of the guitar lines that go from sort of jazzy wes montgomery style to sustained style then the the mid section where you know they're just singing with just the bass playing and um yeah it's it's always been one of my favorite tracks because it for me it was my first albeit it wasn't it was well into the that was it was absolutely going to be my next pick so i'm glad you picked it Uh, that's (laughs) yeah i love i love that song America, because mm. come on, listen to that thing. I mean, we've played it a bunch, and it's just so much fun to play. That's a good it's one. Edgy, it's edgy as hell, and it's it's just really, really got a uniqueness to it, unlike any other yes thing that satellites around it. And and that's that's the thing about this band. It's like you talk about a song like Awaken. There's no other song like Awaken in the catalog. Or you yeah. talk about America. There's nothing else like that. You know what I mean? So America stands out to me as, as something that should be heard by people who don't know the band. Do you know any st- story about why they chose to, to cover that? What was the original? Uh, I know that, that, that Chris personally was a big Simon and Garfunkel fan and Crosby, Stills and Nash. He always used to say I sounded like uh, Graham Nash, which I was like, really? But yeah, I think it was about those vocal harmonies first and foremost. And I don't know, um, you know, they had done covers of other songs and songwriters. So I think maybe at that point, you know, who knows, maybe they were just needed to get some some minutes on a record and and nobody had anything to to do. So they just did a cover. 
I think my my nerd moment. I think I know part of the answer to that question. I mean, it was a track that actually they they did a cover of way way back in the Peter Banks era because because it's on a couple of radio shows and stuff like that. And I think where it first appeared was on a an Atlantic Records uh, sort of one of those sampler albums um, that ah. they put out. So I think the story behind it was they were asked could they could they record something for that and they didn't have anything. Um, you know, Lying you, worked, around. you worked up, and so they, uh, and so they kind of put that together. And because that was the, I think that was the last thing that that Bill played on. Um, I've got some real estate here in my bag. So I bought a pack of cigarettes. And Mrs. White knows. Cool. Yeah, well, there you go. Good, yeah. great yeah. arrangement. And historians. We have historians. Totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. All totally. right, Andy, what's your pick? Uh, so for my second one, I, I debated between uh, two songs. Uh, I debated um, putting on Tempest Fugit because uh, that song blew my mind when I heard it for the first time on uh, on Yesy. So that was my, uh, that and uh, Doesn't Really Happen. That's where I heard those songs on that box set. And I was like, hey, this drama stuff is actually pretty good. Um, but, uh, my second pick, if, if I had to choose, I I've got my own personal top five favorite songs of all time and owner of a lonely heart is on that list. But for our purposes, I wanted, uh, Trevor Rabinera song. And I think one of his shining moments, one of the band's shining moments is the calling. Um, it's to me. You know, when that wow. song, when I heard that on, when I heard that on the radio in 1994, it was the first, it was the first Yes album that I was listening to as a Yes fan. It had been a couple, you know, I, I didn't come in on Union as a, you know, I heard it for the first time, but it, it had already been out. But to talk and the calling was like, I was, I had been waiting for this album. I, you know, I had bought a program at an Emerson, Lake and Palmer concert only because Rick Wakeman's name was in the program uh, <laughs> that I saw that they were signed to victory. It was the only reason I bought that program. So to hear the calling coming out of radio, you know, the thing about that album and, and that song, it, it was to me, it, it, you know, it was the right album in the right song, but at a very wrong time um, because you know, rock radio had changed so much. And, you know, for me, it was so, it, it really is. I listened to it today before, uh, to the calling before we all got on to talk. And it's such a powerful, uplifting song. Um, the drums kick ass so hard. Like it is, you know, and I know it was recorded in, you know, Trevor recorded into his computer. Um, I believe that's how it went. And to me, the sound of the album, some people don't, don't like it. I love the sound of the calling. I love the harmonies, my God, right? Like that is, you know, that, that layered work that, that, that they did. So for yeah. me, the calling is, and, and it's very proggy, you know, it is very proggy, but yet in, it also, in, a, in that Trevor Raven kind of, you know, here's also a catchy chorus. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, that album is actually, is a, is, a, is a wonderful album. And I think that the calling is just kind of, you know, it's, even if you're in a crappy mood, you put that song on and it's, it's going to lift you up. And I think, um, you know, that's why I, it's, I think it's a little forgotten. We as yes fans know it, but 
it's not necessarily something you might hear. On, uh, you're not going to hear it on, on terrestrial radio for sure. But it's a uh, it's a beautiful moment in in, well, in the band's history. That album's not even available anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think it's in in print, and uh, right. which is a crime. Um, that's a, a an amazing pick. I mean, I completely out of left field, uh, Andy. But I love that song. No, wait till you get to my last one. No, my goodness. last one is. Well, I was I was planning to go uh, with a, a Trevor Trevor Rabin era pick for my second one because I'm I'm a just a humongous fan of that era that that was my entry point into the band like like you had said for for some people Billy and yeah. uh, and I love those records um, uh, so but I'm so I'm gonna go ahead and do that uh, but I'm gonna go a little bit more uh, I guess expected not owner but I'm gonna stick with that album and I go I'm gonna go with changes which I think is another one that is a, is a big favorite and a favorite of mine. Uh, it was between that and actually Shoot High, Aim Low, which is another oh, favorite of mine. But so great. I think we need a 90125 song on here, so I'm going to opt for that one. And uh, just a, a, a crazy prog moment on, on, on that song. Um, I'm sorry, on that album. Um, amazing playing by all around. And I love Trevor's uh, lead vocal parts on that because I think he's an underrated, uh, actually really good singer. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so there you go. throw that in there so we got true two trevor raven songs on the list we'll see uh if we if we have any more <laughs> but let, let me recap what we have here for our first two rounds so we have awaken uh, ritual beyond them before uh close to the edge yours is no disgrace america the calling and changes so uh some real big major songs still out there uh for uh for somebody if they want to do it uh jeff your next pick uh yeah this is this is so hard i hate going first um because i i, I mean i can think of lots of things that i would put in here and i can also see the youtube comments or how could they have picked 12 <laughs> songs and not chosen whatever something big um, is being left but off. but i sure. but i'm gonna but i'm gonna um I, i'm gonna go with my heart on this one uh i've been listening just random shuffling a lot of stuff and there were two songs that really leapt out at me in the last couple of days um which are i would say deep cuts um and i can't really decide between them but i'm gonna pick one uh from the latter uh new language wow. which is um again i was random shuffling and the keyboard intro to that kicked in and was like oh i forgotten about this one i mean it, it it is it it is an absolute tour de force uh i mean igor's keyboards are absolutely brilliant throughout it. it and again it's one of those songs where 
obviously the era of the six person lineup but you get to hear what everybody else is doing it's it's very interesting hearing steve you know playing in the studio with another guitar player and you know i think there's some brilliantly complimentary stuff that goes on the whole way through that letter but particularly in that track between yeah. what what billy's doing and what steve is playing um you know it's it, it's got it's got a kind of a you know it's a long song it's a proggy song but it's got a lot of hooks in it and, and i think it f for me it just came came across as I, I think the latter as a whole was an album that didn't wasn't afraid and i don't know whether this is a producer thing or whatever but it wasn't afraid to pick kind of sounds and styles and you know throw them into it and it was even listening to new language language there's a bit where there's kind of that you know orchestra hit that almost sounds like the bam that almost sounds a little bit kind of owner of the lonely heart type thing and i think uh, i think that that album to me is kind of it's a it's a celebration of everything that's gone before but it's also got a lot of really good new stuff in it and i really really enjoyed listening to that song um <laughs> and we should we should represent that era in something that i, en I enjoy that, that record career so yeah, i enjoy uh, yeah. that album i haven't heard it in a in a while actually it's not one that i come across a lot but i remember liking it and, and uh at the time really enjoying the record it was, it's a good transitional record i think it's yeah, yep. not bad, not bad. Yep. What's your what's your memories of that album, Billy? I know we worked very hard on it and very long and spent probably too much time together at that point. Because <laughs> uh, you know, for me, I, I just a bit of a tug of war of getting ideas in with six guys trying to figure stuff out, and um, mm. so uh, that was a little tricky to do, but. I think we managed to pull it off where everyone felt like they had participated on a level that, that you know, meant something to them. And, um, but it was, it was, it was an interesting period in the band for sure. And, uh, one I will never forget. That's for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think the saddest thing was losing Bruce at the very end, you know, yeah. because he really did have a vision of where things were going. And I would have loved to have heard what that was. That said, I think Mike Plotnikoff did a great job, the engineer of, of staying as true to that vision that he had of, of where Bruce was going, because Bruce was constantly making reference mixes and saying, this is where we're heading. So um, <clears throat> I, I'm very proud of the record. And, and, you know, I have very positive memories about things on that record. And then I have other moments that are just like, oh my God, I remember just, just talking about these three bars for weight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things I, I definitely remember is um and i don't I, you know i don't remember the names i know more about the yes i'm not involved with <laughs> stuff that i am involved with but there's a song oh yeah um, i can't remember um what song that is but anyway <clears throat> came in with Alan. We, we were driving to the studio back and forth together quite a lot at that point. And uh, 
uh, I said to him, look, come down a little early and, and I got something I want to try with you here. And let's just see if it turns into something that anyone's interested in. And, and it did. And that's, that's one of my, I just know musically speaking is one of my fave pieces. Cause it's just, it came from a very trippy place, you know, Chris sort of arriving at the studio after Alan and I had this sorted and he jumped in and all of a sudden it was like, okay, wait a minute, that's cool. And then Steve got it. It just sort of naturally organically came together uh, out of the blue quite accidentally. Um, even though- To be alive. Plan, to be even alive. Even though my yeah, plan yeah. was to, be alive. to play this damn thing until someone liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Cool. Uh, all right, uh, Billy, let's uh, get your third pick here. You know, it's funny because there have been so many lineups in the band and there's different versions of this, that, and the other. I mean, I've always said, you're not really in yes until you've been out of it once. And then, <laughs> then you're in yes. Like, what, what the naysayers say, it's like, you try it, right? <laughs> um, that said, you know, the, the lineup for 90125 was one that I really dug quite a lot. And um, a lot of people, that's the other funny thing. I like, I tend to like a lot of records where I'm surprised the fan base doesn't. Like Tormato is like yeah. one of my favorite records that they made because the bass sound is just so off the chain, crazy good. And I've, I've even spoken to Steve about it and he kind of has those memories like, oh boy, no, let's not talk about Tormato because you know. <laughs> as the guy creating a record, you associate things that have nothing to do with the music, you know? So the right. association is there. But um, that said, you know, and I consider them one song, Future Times and Rejoice, you know? Mm. Even though they're listed as two, they're really one piece of music, you know? That particular piece, I must've, you know, when I bought that record, it was like, needle goes back again. I, I didn't listen to anything else on the record for a long time. <laughs> hadn't heard it still because i couldn't get past what i just heard it's like oh my god that's incredible um so future times and rejoice i think is one that's just really really good with all the whatever you want to say about tormato aside <laughs> those two songs are just super unique yes songs to me My pick that I skipped over for New Language was Silent Wings of Freedom, actually. Yeah. For, for, for a lot of the same reasons that the bass sound on it is just phenomenal. Really. Well, you know, it's, it's funny about Silent Wings because, like I said, I just kept listening to Future Times of Rejoice. By the time I got to Silent Wings, which was the last song, I think, right? On the record. Yeah, 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 yeah. I couldn't get into it for the longest time. <laughs> and I, 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 you know, Chris and I knew each other very well. So I could tell him these things. I was like, dude, I just, I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't figure it out. I said, and then like after my whatever, how many listens, it just hit me and it became one of my favorite songs ever that Chris Squire yeah. did, you know? Um, and, you know, it's funny because we, we had that conversation and then later we're, we're working on a song 
called Red Light that we did on um, the conspiracy record and we did it on the live record. And Chris had been playing me that song forever, <laughs> trying to motivate me to jump in and, and kind of get it together and bring it over the finish line. And I was just always sort of like, I, I don't know, you know, I'm just not getting it. And he's like, well, you didn't get Silent Wings either. So. <laughs> 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 I know, but let me sit with it. So, uh, and then, you know, one day it was like, I got it. And all of a sudden, you know, and I, and I, I told Chris that I said, I figured out your thing. You know, it's like, it's just, this, it's a slow build until you just, <laughs> you're sold and then you never want to let go of it. You know what I mean? So funny. Well, there's, one, there's one of the, uh, the prog collective songs where um, he really tapped, Chris really taps into that tornado type bass yeah. so, song on uh, shining diamonds yeah I, I i just love uh yeah it was r real e echoes of of that sort of uh the sort of wah type bass that he used yeah that, that, that cue yeah that's actually one of my patches in my rig that i dialed in many moons ago because i you know i just wanted to have that sound and, yeah and i got it nailed quite good and 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 chris you know whenever we record he was like let me use your rig because you've got my sounds dialed. <laughs> 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 so um, andy let's, let's yeah, go, go ahead on. and jump to your your final pick there yeah so i wanted to make sure that i had one epic long song to share and i debated about um the fly from here suite because fly from here quickly became a top five yes album for me but i i feel as though um i needed to and wanted to pick something from the uh, the the '70s lineup of of Anderson and Alan White and Chris and Steve and and Wakeman, and uh, so I picked Mind Drive, and oh, wow. I picked Mind Drive because it was especially when you listen to Key Studio, which which is you know brings all of the Keys to Ascension music together uh, into one studio album, you realize. It, as a listening experience and, and as a as a creative entity that that lineup of musicians in the mid 90s still had it when when you know there was and unfortunately just because i think of all the sort of the record label you know brouhaha's and issues with the keys to ascension stuff and the way that that studio material came out um not enough people heard it but mind drive is is another yes epic um it's got its roots in um you know when when chris and alan were working with uh, jimmy page for what was at that time the xyz stuff yeah. but mind drive is like it's it's epic and it's it, it's everything that you'd want from a larger piece of yes music um and when i hear it you know and, and i i really do go back to key studio quite often when i listen to it i'm like god this feels it still feels fresh um, I think uh, John's lyrics, you know, and, and, and I, it, that, you know, my drive came off of, you know, and when you first heard it on Keys to Ascension 2, that came off of, um, you know, from Keys to Ascension 1 and two of the studio tracks on there that they were okay, um, but I didn't necessarily at the time think John was like hitting it out of the park lyrically. And then you hear Mind Drive. And it is like it just worked and it talks about technology and in and, and computers and and things that you know 
you know, in, in, in the world of yes, where you don't often know what John is singing about or writing about, there was moments in Mind Drive that are relatable and then it just builds and the playing is so great. And when they played it on the 35th anniversary tour, it was great. You know, it was great to hear them pull out a larger piece of music where, you know, you know, for the Masterworks tour and, you know, for those first, you know, that first like run when Wakeman came back in the band, it was, a, for me anyway, it was a little, too, I was great. I was happy to see the lineup, but it was somewhat nostalgia based. But yet yeah. on that 35th anniversary tour, you know, going in and like, um, you know, and playing Mind Drive and they didn't play the whole thing. I think they played about 12 minutes and interspersed it with uh, South Side of the Sky. But it, you could hear that this was still a valid lineup. Um, you know, this was still a, a group of musicians that had something to say in that in, in Mind Drive as an epic stands, you know, nicely with everything else. I think that that lineup of the band did. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and I thought, you know, for me, it's like because as I was making my choices, I wanted to go the less obvious route because people will know Harder with the Sunrise or people will know and you and I. And this is a band that, you know, even, you know, like into the into the mid to late 90s, that group they made a killer prog rock album. Just not enough people heard it, not their fault. So yeah, Ooh. so Mind Drive was, was, was awesome. my last, is my last pick. Strong with the out out of left field choices, man. Good for you. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I I know we got to wrap it up, uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and jump in with my last pick, and I'm gonna be that guy to go, uh, you know, straight down the middle here because I think we need this song. We need Heart of the Sunrise to close out this album. So uh, yeah. I think we have to go there. With all apologies to uh, Roundabout, uh, I'm gonna go Heart of the Sunrise. <laughs> And uh, I, I mean, I think that's sort of uh, along with Coast to the Edge and maybe Awaken. Those are like the, the, the three songs, I think, if you were describing yes to somebody, those are uh, in many cases those songs. But I mean, what can you say? The, the opening bass line and, and drum groove, the amazing lyrics by John, the, you know, the epic ending, um, closing out a masterpiece album. So um, yeah. I think we got to got to go there and, and a, a, a brilliant closer to a show as well um which uh which uh i i think is a no-brainer totally Guys, yeah. so thank you so much for all these amazing picks, Billy. Thank you for uh, indulging us with this. It's a it's a lot of fun, amazing stories, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a pleasure to talk to you, Andy. Thanks for bringing it strong with the with the picks. And Jeff, uh, I'll be talking with you again in about five minutes, I'm sure. And <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and again, the quest. We got to say it again, guys. The quest from Yes comes out October first. Uh, incredible album. Please uh, check it out. Check out the singles. Uh, buy the record. 
there's a you know really cool um, formats out there, all sorts of great things you can pick up, and um, and hopefully we'll get to see the band on tour one yeah. day soon again. Uh, good yeah. luck to you guys, and uh, good luck, Billy. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Billy. All right, bye. Take care, Cheers. man.